Hello, my warrior loves. Welcome to Beyond Body, a mini series where we are exploring body image and how to change the internal and external scripts that influence the way you think and feel about your own body. Subscribe and follow along to hear real life stories and experiences on the path to body image healing. Now, if negative body image is holding you back and fueling your eating disorder, listen up. This February, we are curating a small, intimate group of warriors for Beyond Body, a six-month body image accelerator program that brings together tangible practices you can call on for the rest of your life and an intimate group format for deep learning, healing, and integration. Now, we officially start in March, so February is the time to get your application in and get on a discovery call to see if Beyond Body is for you. Beyond Body is a safe container designed for women in their mid to late 30s, 40s, and 50s who want to do real, long-lasting work to improve their body image so this one precious life can be enjoyed more fully and freely. With the right approach, skills, and support, body dissatisfaction doesn't have to hold you back in your relationships and career. If you want to make this the year you do deeper body image healing work during the spring and summer months, request an invite to apply for Beyond Body at recoverywarriors.com slash beyond. Spots are limited, so get yours in now by requesting an invite to apply at recoverywarriors.com slash beyond. Today, I'm with Sherry, or as I like to call her, Super Sherry. Sherry and I met over three years ago when she joined the Courage Club, and Sherry just always brings so much grounded exuberance to all of our live calls and is just this ultimate cheerleader for others and herself and just been an absolute blessing to really get to know her. And I'm just grateful that we continue to connect with our daily gratitude and celebration inside of the Courage Club to this day. It's a practice that we have. And I have just been so impressed being able to see Sherry's growth in her recovery, in her personal life, in her leadership role, in her professional life. So yeah, it's been a relationship that has blossomed over many years. And I'm just excited for her to be here today to share her body image healing story with us. So Sherry, welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yes. So getting into the like beginning origin of your body image story, at what age did you first become aware that your body was something to manage and keep small? So like what was going on in your life at that time? So I was probably 12 or 13 when I actively started to try to manage my body. I had conscious thoughts about the size of my body younger, maybe at like nine in terms of just thinking, oh, maybe is my body too big? Um, are my thighs too big? But I didn't really act on it until I was 12. And what was happening in my life is um, I switched from being a competitive synchronized swimmer to try dance. Um, and a in a way that I hadn't before, I started focusing on eating, quote unquote, healthier. So I had naturally been a really good swimmer and I wasn't a natural dancer. It was just something that I wanted to do because I had always loved dance. And for some reason, I thought that if I was smaller, I would somehow be better or a better dancer. And I was a really driven person. I am a really driven person. So for me, it was like, yeah, whatever I need to do, anything I need to do to be the best dancer, I'm going to catch up. I'm going to be awesome. And it was just part of sort of that built-in mentality. And at that point, I, I wasn't really doing anything that was harmful per se. Like I was just eating lots of vegetables. My idea of health at the time was basically the Canadian food guide. Um, so like 
vegetables, whole grains. But in the middle of all that, my dad died very suddenly and unexpectedly. He and I were in a car accident and that trauma kicked off a survival instinct in me um, or a survival response in my brain. And I felt like I had a complete loss of control. And I mean, I didn't realize it when it was happening at the time, but that, that, that is what happened. And I just reached for something to grab onto. And what I grabbed onto were those habits um, that I had already started, like sort of playing with, for lack of a better word. That's, that's what I grabbed onto. Um, and I was just like, oh, if I could just do this, if I can just lose weight, everything will be okay. I'll be fine. And it just, it just kind of kept going from there. Did anyone like, did anybody notice, like, did your mom or your coach or anything, or did you get more validation around your body at that time? Because were you, I mean, were you actually performing better? Like, was there any other thing that would kind of make you want to continue with that aside from the, the control that I was giving you and safety? Um, I mean, yes, people noticed it didn't happen all at once either, but it, um, I eventually ended up going back to swimming because I just wasn't fully fulfilled in dance. And I was just, you know, I was 13, I was unhappy, but didn't really know I was unhappy. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll go back to swimming. And what happened when I went back to swimming is I, that's when I started to lose weight drastically because I was swimming like 16 hours a week. So people noticed, um, and it got to the point where, um, my mom was, I remember her being like, you know, you're either you're going to start eating or I'm going to like admit you to a hospital. And there were, I should say too, there were no supports. I grew up in rural New Brunswick. Um, there were no eating tr- disorder treatment centers. There were very few resources online. There was like, I think a more than a six to eight month wait for a therapist. Like, so it was, I really didn't have any treatment when I was 13. Um, I just, I just had my mom saying, you know, you can't do this. And what actually happened was I, I I sort of flipped a switch in my brain and I was like, well, fine, if I can't control eating, then I'm just going to eat whatever I want. And I flipped the other way and I, I started binge eating. So then I gained a lot of weight and the way out of it for me was truly just time. As more time went by, I relaxed a little bit. Um, I was very lucky, like I had supportive family. So it, it just kind of, I want to say went away on its own, but it took like till the end I to like my last year of high school for it to fully go away. But I had like two rough years of like depression and, and my eating disorder when I was in grades nine and 10. But interestingly swimming, because I left dance and went back to swimming and that really helped me with my body, but also just with my eating disorder, because I was in a, like my mom will also say that swimming saved my life in a way because it was a safe space to be. It was an area where I couldn't binge um, or eat anything. So it was, I was like removed from my eating disorder. And I was with great, like almost like a community of people who were really supportive at a time where I really didn't feel comfortable in my own skin and was spiraling a little bit. And it was that routine and sort of that stability every day, like even with the chaos going on in my mind and what felt like going on in my body, I had this little like lifeboat in a storm kind of that was swim practice. So Hmm. yeah. I would imagine though the bathing suit was that like, I mean, your uniforms, the bathing suit, it's a one piece, but did that like, because your body shows much more when you're, you know. Yeah, it's a good point. In a bathing suit. And you know what? I was I was thinking about that, um, looking back at sort of like different things that were going on at different times in my life, why I had a harder time being a dancer 
feeling big that way, as opposed to being a swimmer, I never even thought of it. And I, I think it just goes back to pre-existing ideals in society, like synchronized swimming. It is a very, it's like gym, gymnastics sort of in terms of, you know, you've got people with like strong shoulders, but there's sort of a pride in being like strong because you need to be, whereas dancing, it's about being like lean and like, or, and I say this, these are, these are not truths, right? Like these are things, they're images that were built in our head. They're thought distortions that we have about the way that a, a sport should be. But I just didn't have that for swimming. And I think it's, I mean, synchronized swimming isn't a well-known sport to begin with. Like you don't turn on the TV and see synchronized swimmers. Like you're lucky if you get five minutes of it, like during the Olympics. So I think now it's called artistic swimming or something too. So yeah, I don't know why I didn't have that association in my head, but it, I actually found swimming a really a, a safe space, but I was with non-judgmental people too. So I think like, had I been in a different spot or had I not have supportive family, it, it would have been, it might've been different. I think you're so badass. Synchronized swimming is true. <laughs> it's the cool. it, it was, it was very cool. It was yeah, a great, really- great sport. What was your biggest body insecurity back then and how has it evolved? So I don't remember it being one thing specifically, um, like one body part. Like for me, it was more just about being smaller and control. But I know that the idea of being smaller in general was part of what drove my eating disorder, because even though there were other things going on in my life, it, it was always there in the, like, it was part of it. It was part of the recipe that, that created my eating disorder. And I mentioned that like when I was 13, I eventually just like eased my way out of it um, and stopped having sort of disordered eating habits. And I could wake up in the morning and, you know, live my life. But in my twenties, I was in another period of big change. I was done my undergraduate degree. I was living alone and I had a job that was my dream job, but I had no stability. And again, I reached for weight and I was like, oh, if I could just lose five pounds I will feel better. Like that is the thing in my head. I was thinking like, that is the thing that will make me happy. Like surely it's not other situations in my life. It's, it's that I, my body is not the right size. And I was a TV reporter at the time. So I was seeing my body every day on screen. And I don't think that in itself drove like my eating disorder to return in my twenties, but I think it played a role. So it's just, it's, it's not one thing for me. It's that very, like societal belief that, yeah, we should just be small, that smaller bodies are better. Like that falsehood that we're told from a very, very young age. Well, you're a very like driven goal oriented woman, it seems like as well. So it's like, okay, if this is the goal, then let me hit it. Let me do it. Yeah. You know? And yeah, exactly. It's like, or what is the next thing that I need? Right? Like if I'm, you know, if I'm trying to be the best at something, like this will make me that much better. Right? Like it wasn't, <laughs> It, it, it was, you know, when you're that overachieving sort of person and it's like, well, maybe I'm already an okay reporter, but if I was smaller, I'd be even better. Right. And that's, that's where it stemmed from. And then being driven can be a great value, value characteristic, but in excess, it can also, you know, hurt you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't just get this time to like chill and be like, cool, yeah. everything. Yeah. And it's great. all about balance as we yes. know. So. <laughs> How did food and exercise tie into the way you tried to fit a body ideal and how do you see it differently today? So exercise was a huge thing for me and my first eating disorder was actually diagnosed to me um, at 13 as activity anorexia because I didn't stop eating. I was just over exercising um, and I was 
doing enough activity that I needed more food. And I mentioned this, but I had, you know, some disordered eating. I went back to competitive swimming and that's like exercise really drove that. And I never stopped swimming through my eating disorder, but I never really dealt with anything. So when I was in my twenties and I was like, okay, I'm going to lose five pounds. I started with exercise. I was like, okay, I'm going to start going to the gym. Um, and unlike in swimming where I was in like a controlled environment where you're going to a practice and you're doing like a set amount of time with a group of people and it's social, I was just like, how long can I run for? Like how much exercise can I fit in? I'm on my own. It's a very like isolating activity. It became another thing that I could control just an everyday sort of like need. Like, um, and it wasn't even about my body anymore in the sense that I didn't like the way my body looked, but I couldn't stop exercising. And it wasn't like I, I had my eating disorder through my twenties. I knew as soon as I started having like, um, habits, um, I knew I was like, Oh no, like, like this is back. And I was mad at myself because I had done so much work to, or I felt like I had done so much work to get out of it. But again, I never really had treatment and I didn't want treatment because I didn't want formal treatment in my twenties because I was so afraid that I was going to do that thing that I did when I was 13 and flip the other way and give up that control and then go instantly into being a binge eater. And I was like, I don't want that because the self-hate that I had when I was 13 was so strong in those moments. And I think that's why I held on so tightly in my 20s for as long as I did. And I slowly worked on some things like I changed jobs and that helped. I you know, started listening to your podcast and working on things on my own and doing like thought work on my own. <laughs> um, I did, I was in and out of therapy, but it didn't, it just didn't resonate with me at the time because again, I did, I was resisting. Um, I was resisting treatment because I was like, no, that's gonna like, what if I do it? And then at the end, I hate myself. And then the pandemic happened and gyms closed and I was alone at home with my thoughts and my body. And my depression skyrocketed and my binge eating returned. And I was like, this, this is really bad. I don't want to do this again in terms of like the binge eating self-hate cycle. I didn't feel comfortable in my body because I was gaining weight. And that's, I joined the courage club. And that's what taught me how to love my body. (laughs) Like, so like exercise was something that was very routinistic, like Almost like your day probably revolved around yes. your gym yeah. schedule, right? Like morning, evening, or whenever yeah. it was, you would fit it in. So that's a huge disruption then with COVID because all the gyms closed, like you said. Yeah. How did so when you got into the Courage Club? How did that? You know, I'm curious how that helped you from previous experiences of recovery. Like what 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 did it contain for you that was able to help you take on this new trajectory and kind of get more stable and solid with your food and your your exercise where it's more balanced now, right? I feel like that's, you know, you've come a long, a long way where there's that balance. Yeah. I, I mean, there were so many things. And for me, I think it was, I'd never been in treatment before. And I was like, no matter what I do, this can't like, no matter what happens signing up for this, things won't get worse. And it was at a time where I was gaining weight. I, I, stopped exercising out of one, I had an injury at the time, so I couldn't run outside. And I was like, just do this, like do this for, I forget how long it was, six um, months. Six months. And I was like, get the rest of your life back. And then once I was in it, the support, like that's not something like you can go to therapy on your own. Um, you can listen to podcasts and you can get a lot of great insights from those. But the support of the community within the Courage Club was so essential because just other people feeling the same things 
like, I think there's, there's lots of eating disorders in the world or lots of disordered eating, but it's so not talked about. So just the relief to be in a place where other people are going through the exact same thing that you are helps enormously. And then doing the work around, um, I had never thought through some of the issues, the grief that I still had for my dad, that causing the response that it did. Like I'd had that explained to me before, but to really see the implications of it, it became so much clearer and the way that it manifests in your life and just being able to identify it. I think that's the other thing, like being able to identify disordered eating with when it comes up in disordered thoughts, like we did stuff on that and practicing daily being grateful for where you are, I think is the other thing that made a huge difference in sort of how I approached, approached exercise, um, food, life, like things beyond my eating disorder. It was like, and this is a, a phrase that's used often and that other people in the Courage Club have used, but like, it's not about your body. Like it's not like whatever issue you are having, whatever problem it is, it's not about your body. Your body is like the little vessel or the eating disorder is the vessel that is, it's, it's, that the it's like the wound that's bleeding but it's not it that that's not the thing that's causing the wound I love that it's not the wound yeah it's not the wound that bleeding that's cool I've never heard that, that phrase before it had it's like it's it's more than skin deep right it's like we think yeah. it's like the skin the flesh and like but it's like oh it's, it's so much deeper than that yeah and you know I gotta say like because you do have this strong fixed energy in routines which is just like maybe like owning that okay there's like a part of my temperament that likes to get stuck in like certain routines yeah and and you can channel it in different directions, though, because like literally, I think of, of any student I've worked with has like gone through the curriculum. Like you are really the most dedicated to the gratitude. It's we do three things we're grateful for and one thing we celebrate. And like if, if I was to like give a badge, like you would win. But I miss days. I do miss days. No, you do miss days. Practice. You yeah. do miss days. But you yeah. also some people miss days and then they're like, well, and they just bone out and they like stop doing it. Like yeah. you miss days and you come back in. And, and I think that's true perseverance because, okay, you missed a few days. I mean, I miss – sometimes I miss like weeks, you know, and then I'm like, okay, just hop back in. And so I just – yeah, I do want to acknowledge like how dedicated you've been to the practice because you really have stayed with it and I made it like a part of your life and your way of being, which which every day, three things you're grateful for, one thing you celebrate. Like if you're doing that every day, you're going to grow. Yeah. Like you will grow for sure. It's just a life hack in general. Like it doesn't matter if you have an eating disorder or not. I would say – because you, what, everybody struggles with something, right? So you're going to have bad days. And like, whether it's like my job or a relationship or the weather or whatever it is, or like your car breaks, like we go like this, right? Like, um, and what the gratitudes thing teaches is on your worst day, you have so much to be thankful for and so much to be grateful for and so much to celebrate. So like when I have like the worst day, and maybe that's a day where I, I don't post and I post the next day when I'm like, in a better spot mentally, but I can be like, uh, like I have water or I have a pillow <laughs> or like, um, or like the other day we were grateful for emojis in, in, <laughs> in the, the, the Kurtz club. Like, it's just, it's, it's looking at those things that can make you forget or it minimizes, I guess, the, the size of the eating disorder. It can make something seem much smaller in the grand scheme of your life. The other thing, because that, that happens in eating disorder recovery all the time, like I still have, January is always a hard time for me. And every January, I'm like, okay, I got this. Like, I'm ready. Like, I've prepared my mind. I've taken time off work. I've given myself rest date, whatever. This January came. I was like, doing great, doing great, doing great. <laughs> like, got part way through and it was like, crash. And I was like, mm. yep, uh, here we are again. Right. But when you do that, then you wake up the next day, you start to ask, like, and this is what the Courage Club teaches you. It's like, what can I learn from this situation? Like, I did not fail. It's like changing the wording in your head. It's like, 
I experienced something and now I'm going to learn from it. And what is here for me? Um, and when you change it that way, and you can't always do it in the moment, but like the next day when you can like look back and be like, it's okay. And then you're not just mad at yourself because you feel like you've, you've messed up and you engaged in a behavior that you swore you would never do again. Like it, it, it can, it can help. Um, and that's, I think where you, you get from like, cause eating disorder recovery goes like this and then you end up going more, you still go like this, but you eventually, you know. I, this isn't making any sense for a podcast. I just realized Yeah, I was going to say, for audio movement. listeners, we're seeing some waves here. We're seeing some, like, wave, <laughs> waves. Wave we're seeing hands. Some... <laughs> Sorry, I'm a hand talker. Yeah. Wave hands. So, well, January is also a big time that grief comes up for you, right? Like, that's, that's like, a, it's it's a soft spot. It's, it's the deeper wound gets activated. So, of course, it's going to be, like, a harder time. Um, yeah, and it's for me or... when underlying, I'm going to use the word trauma. I don't know if that's the right word to use, but sort of like emotions come up that I'm just conscious of. It's not like I'm walking around miserable or anything like that. It's just that I'm just more sensitive. I'm more sensitive to everything. So little small things are harder. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, I've just learned to be aware of it and to be very patient with myself. In general. But gratitudes help. They help because they, they put things in perspective. They really do. And you can be grateful for, yeah, just showing up, like yeah. or celebrating just showing up. Like it doesn't have to be like this wonderful thing yeah. you're celebrating, like this super highlight. It can just be like, I'm celebrating that I even showed up. <laughs> and that's such an important one when you're in the midst of body change that you're uncomfortable with, I think. Like if your body is changing, that can be uh, a very difficult thing emotionally being grateful for things that aren't about your body or aren't about food or like you said, showing up even when those things are going on. I, I find, I found and still find if I, if I'm having a bad day, sh that's the only goal. Like it's, it's just show up, right? It's not show up and be amazing or show up and do this, this, and this, or finish everything on your to-do list. It's like, no, like we, <laughs> we made it to work today <laughs> like <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people from the outside think it's just like all Pollyanna, but like when you actually read the gratitude, so much of it can be like, like the hard parts. Like I, I really dealt with these strong emotions today. Like I, yeah. like so it's like you, you, you can have all the darkness and then shine the light of gratitude on it without diminishing what has felt dark or heavy or hard. Like that can still be there. Yeah. What has having bad body image cost you? So the thing that it cost me, or the thing that I think of the most, is just that I abused myself for years, which is really sad that I starved myself or ran myself ragged for, for years. And I don't know, like I, if, if I will have health issues down the road, um, I, I'm right now I'm, I quote unquote healthy and I'm very, I'm grateful for that, but, um, it could, it could down the road affect me. I don't, I don't know. But I, I do try to flip that question and focus on the things it's taught me because there's, there's good that came out of it. And I think that just makes me, you know, better prepared to deal with hard things in the future. So. So you gained like resilience from it or. Yeah. And, and maybe a better appreciation. Like it, it costs it, it. I'm again, I'm lucky. I don't think it really cost me any relationships or, um, I mainly hurt myself, right? Like it was mainly me. I, I caused a lot of strain on a lot of people, like um, my loved ones who really, really cared about me and couldn't help me because, you know, you, you kind of have to help yourself. Not to say that you can't rely on other people because you, you should 
have help from other people, but I just mean like I was resisting help for so long when a lot of people really wanted me to get help um, or more help than I was um, seeking. But, but yeah, I, I, I feel like I'm better equipped. I have a better toolkit to cope with the world now. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful for that. It really, I mean, it is great to have support. And I think that's, you know, connection. We don't heal ourselves by ourselves. At the same time, like at the end of the day, who, who recovers is the person who is, needs to, like who's recovering, <laughs> like the person who wants to recover. Yeah. And nobody can, can change your thoughts. Nobody can do that inner belief work. No one can make you show up with more self-respect and more self-worth. Like that is all an inner, inner job and inner quest. I think that's probably a good thing for people to know if you know someone with an eating disorder or disordered eating or, or body image issues, like y- you can be there and you can listen and you can be supportive, but you can't fix it for them, you know, and it's not your fault. Like, it's not something you did. Like I, and I would, again, I had so much support from my mom and is the person who has seen me at my very lowest and my, my best. And I know she would have done anything in her power to take, to take it away from me, right? Like to take away the eating disorder, but you can't, it, it wasn't her. It was, it was something within me that I had to fix. And I did need support hundred percent to do it. I needed her support. I needed the support of the courage club and a few other things, but it's not something you can't fix someone else's body image. Mm-mm. Yeah. What steps did you take to repair your body image? I think a lot of the things we've talked about I started celebrating what my body could do as it was changing and really tried to be okay with it at the stage that it's, it's at, right? Like, so I'd be like, you know, I don't, cause you have to kind of get rid of this idea that you, you should have a smaller body. And the only way to do that for me was to be like, but this body can do this. And, you know, I can lift heavy things and I can cycle really fast and I can canoe and kayak and hike. And I, I still do exercise. Um, I do classes now. At, which I find great because you go for a definite amount of time, they're social. And again, you can just show up. So it's not about a number of um, a number on a treadmill or a, ma- a certain amount of time. It's like, again, oh, if I show up, then that's my exercise for today. And some like I do the kickboxing classes where you feel super badass, right? Because you're like, Super Sherry was doing some super badass kickboxing Ninja moves. kickboxing on the, on the audio <laughs> podcast so that no one can hear. Those the, yeah, maybe they'll hear the sound of my fists flying. Um, but yeah, like stuff, stuff like that. So I, it's so much more about joy. And when you feel joy in your body, you don't feel um, uncomfortable. Um, so that, that helps is finding movement that makes you feel wonderful. So I changed sort of the goals slowly, like this does not happen overnight and yeah, and celebrating those things. So when I'm, when I'm looking at a part of my body or say, I see a photo or something that maybe makes you react in a way that you're like, oh, that doesn't look the way that society's told me it's supposed to look or the way that this other person I know looks, or the person standing next to you in that photo looks different, or the person you see on the sidewalk, you know, is so put together and with their clothes and their bag and their hair. And you're just like, yeah, but my body does this, right? Like, and so celebrating that there's a few like, um, like little mantras I used to tell myself, like, um, that I've heard over the years and possibly from your podcast too. So I apologize for anything I'm stealing without attribution, but things like we're not all supposed to be iPhone sixes. And I don't even know what version <laughs> of the iPhone we're supposed to be on right now. <laughs> but, and so maybe that, I read that in a book that dates that but, comment. <laughs> um, also, um, uh, uh, oh, our bodies, like, our, we need, our bodies need different stages for different 
phases of our life, right? Like, I think that's really empowering. Yeah, like that may have been my old body, but this is the body I need right now. And I think that can help get away from the idea that, oh, I'm, especially if you've gained weight, that you must get back to that earlier size because you don't need to. The idea that clothes should fit people, people are not meant to fit clothes, buying new clothes, um, which I realize is not something everyone can do because it costs money. But I used to feel so much guilt that I had to get rid of clothes that didn't fit me. So I'd be like, okay, you're donating these. Like, it's great. They're going to someone else. That's awesome. And I I used to struggle to spend money on clothes being like, well, what my body's still changing. Like, what do I, I'm going to have to buy something again next year. So I, I did tend to buy like either like secondhand clothes or maybe less expensive clothes. Um, which is not great for the environment, if that's something you're concerned about, but do it, I would say, for yourself, because being in tight clothes, I found really triggering. And so being clothes that I felt good in that fit me um, made a huge difference. And being in clothes that I felt were too small or that I didn't feel good in really made me feel unhappy and could really trigger like negative thoughts in my head. So I think those are the main ones. Yeah, that's great. And yeah, going secondhand clothes shopping can be a really helpful way too to like, how you're saying, like find this intermediary. You're like, you know, I'm just like kind of in this in zone between. where I'm not yeah. sure where it's going to go and yeah, to not have to commit to yeah. a full wardrobe essentially. Yeah. And that was, I just had guilt. Some people might not have this issue, but I had guilt for, oh, I don't know, waste. Secondhand, secondhand's waste? I'm no, confused. no. If I was going to buy all stuff new, like if I was going to go buy a whole new oh. wardrobe, I was struggling oh, with yeah. that. And then I was like, oh, well, I shouldn't buy clothes because I'm wasting money or I should be putting this money. It, people with eating disorders can be very hard on themselves, as you know. So it's yeah. just, I was just like, okay, relax. Like you don't have to like, like buy a $200 coat like you can, or a $300 coat, like just go get something that fits you. And then it, but it, it makes a difference, I think, to have things that that make you feel good. Yeah, definitely. And like you feel comfortable in, right? And whatever, however that can can work out. What has come into your life more now that you're not so focused on judging and changing your body? Um, well, I feel like I'm super sherry. I, no, <laughs> um, I'm, yeah, I'm just, I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I'm happy um, because I wake up in the morning and I'm enough. It's the goal of, of recovery is to, I, I, I think, to wake up and not be trying to change something about your body or to be beholden to a set of rules. And I still have routine. Like, again, like I still, I go to the gym. I don't go as, as much as I used to, but I do go do a few classes a week and I do, you know, I work. So I have a, a, a schedule with my job, but within that I can, I have freedom that I never had before because I was so fixated on control, um, controlling my body, controlling things in my life. Um, whereas now I can sleep in, I can go on vacation, I can travel. I want to travel. That's, that's the other thing I've gained back is wanting things like things I never would have even thought that I would have wanted like to do something or to, to try something new or to change my schedule or like just small things. But I'm like, yeah, yeah, I want that. Like, or I can try that or I'm going to go do that. Um, without the fear. Yeah. I, I, I've cool. gained a lot. I've, I've really gained a lot. I have more people in my life. You have more love in your life. You're going yeah. to Spain. I'm going to Spain. Um, I'm engaged too. So um, I was probably You're engaged too. Club. Yeah. When I, yeah, I, I remember you met him <laughs> and like, look at that, put a ring on it. Um, and it, I never, because you met imagined. him in the courage club, right? Like well, that's I when knew, you, yeah, I knew him before. Oh yeah. As a friend. Were, yeah. But, um, yeah. It's a story. I, I was literally in the Courage Club, I think, and I announced I was dating a human is how I think I announced Yeah, I think it. you're I was dating, like, Guys, I'm dating a human. And everyone's like, what? 
like, what are you talking about? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, I'm, I, and I never would have imagined before being able or wanting to date someone. And now I'm like, I definitely want to date someone. I definitely want a partner. I want to explore things with another person. I want another person in my life. I want another person to um, be my, you know, like life partner. Yeah. Maybe we'll have kids one day. Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll go like start an institution and, or maybe we'll like tour the, like, I don't know what we're going to do, but it's like the possibilities are there. And when you're really trapped and you're concerned only about your body or only about what goes into your body, you don't have that freedom and you don't want it. And I was so afraid to start changes for so long because I thought I would hate myself on the other side. And I don't, I'm way better. <laughs> so, yes. What is your biggest body image healing milestone? Yeah, that's, I don't know if there's one thing. I mentioned before, I love when I feel strong because my old body was so frail and I was cold all the time and I'd be afraid to like walk like five minutes down the road in case I got hungry and now I can just like go. Um, but if I'm doing something like if I am lifting weights and I'm like, wow, I'm strong. Like, like that makes me feel like just that. It's like, who cares what my body looks like? Like I couldn't lift this weight before. So I love that. I love any feeling in my body where I feel like badass is, is probably like the ninja kickboxing. Like it's yes. just like so lucky that my body can do this. It's beautiful. What do you appreciate most about your body? Uh, Sounds like strength is like one thing that you yeah, appreciate. Yeah, but just that it exists. Like bodies are amazing. It Like that my body breathes, that I sleep, that it digests food, um, that I have mobility, um, that it lets me go to my job and go to the gym and um, go swimming, canoe, kayak, like name things. It can eat cheese. Oh, I'm not, I'm lucky I'm not allergic to anything. <laughs> can eat um, cheese. <laughs> but seriously, like it's, <laughs> like there are people who can't eat cheese, Jessica. I, can, I know, I know, I know, but it's just, it's random, but I love um, it. <laughs> like, like I don't have any allergies, knock on wood. So I think that's fantastic. Like, um. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm very grateful for my body. Like that's another thing. It's gratitude, but it's um, when you are healthy and, and healthy, quote unquote, but like, you know, and you're like, what more could you ask for, right? Like who cares what size your body is when you can wake up in the morning and, and live your life and, and be with people you love. I'm going to start sounding sappy, but yeah. <laughs> I love it. Get all sappy. What is something you know now that you wish younger you would have heard when developing her beliefs about her body? that your body is not the problem. And again, I think it was even maybe um, another Courage Club person, Nikki, who has used that phrase too, but I think it's so true. I think to like, as a young person, I think I would have looked at people and been like, oh, that person, like they must love their body, right? Um, it, like they must just wake up every day and be so happy in that body. And that's, I don't think that that's true for anyone, right? Like, I don't think there is one person male, female who wakes up in the morning and looks at every single aspect of themselves and is like, like, yeah, I'm perfect. Like, like, yeah, like that. Like, and they don't like, you will find like, even the person that you're looking at, at the gym or at school or at your job, and you're like, oh, they have the most amazing body. They don't feel that way about it. Like, I can guarantee you they're concerned about a wrinkle or a zit or a hair or a lot of hairs or whatever it is. And so you can fix those things, but it, it won't make you happy. Like it will not make you happy like that because the body is not the problem. Yeah. And the more you focus on them, actually the more yeah. unhappy you get. <laughs> so yeah. It's like, um, yeah. That's a good, you know, that's a good perspective to have because so often you can think, okay, it's just me. But when like eating disorder, no eating disorder, like body image issues are, are, 
are ever universal. Like people all struggle with some aspect at some point and, with their body. And when there's an underlying thing, like for me, there was like, I, I was scared, right? Like I was scared. I needed control because I felt like the world was out of control around me and life was so uncertain. And again, in my twenties, like it was just like, Oh, there's so much fear. There's so much change. It's like, am I doing the right thing? When that overwhelmed me, that was the problem. It was like a lack of routine and a lack of feeling security or feeling secure, like loneliness, whatever it is, like, that's the thing you have to fix. And you're looking for something to fix it with and you choose food or you choose trying to change your body. But say you did lose five pounds, you just pick another thing, right? Like you just, it like, because the hole would still be there. Totally. What would you say to folks struggling to believe that they can be happy and healthy in their bodies, no matter what they look like? Just keep swimming, like finding Nemo. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, 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 I would say just, just try and keep going because, um, like, I, and I, I asked or I said this when you asked if I wanted to be interviewed, and I was like, yes, but I don't consider myself like 100% recovered. To me, I'm more in like eating disorder maintenance, where I'm really, really proud of how far I've come. But I, and I have tools, and I have the community that I need to cope with thoughts or tougher situations. But those things still come up. And they will, they will continue to come up. So I think whatever path you are on, just keep going. That's why I say just keep swimming because I love swimming. But um, I think the trick is because it, it, and again, I'm making, I could make more wavy hand motions, but it goes up and down and up and down and up and down and you have bad days and you have good days and you have bad days again. But if you keep going, you will get there. Like me in my twenties, like it was like, I will have this for you. Like, I honestly just was like, I'm going to have this for years. Like I'm going to have this for years. Like I will never ever be able to not have an eating disorder um, or not wake up thinking about my body and food. And you can, you can, you, it, it's not like you're going to wake up tomorrow and it's all going to be better, but sm small thing. That's the other, another club quote, but like little things every day add up, like small things every day make a difference. So just reciting Jessica's past words. So <laughs> you're probably sitting there like, that was what I said. <laughs> no, I don't, like, I'm like, spread it. <laughs> spread yeah. the word. <laughs> yeah. Small things oh. every day add up. Yes, it's, it's so true. Incremental shifts. Like, oh, Sherry, you're just so fun to connect with. Like I said, this like exuberant energy and just liveliness. And it really brings so much joy to me to see you experiencing all this joy that's always been within you and that you get to express it now and share it with people and light up their lives. And you really are just a super kickboxing, synchronized swimmer, like badass. And thanks for thanks for being here and sharing all this with us. No, thank you for helping me find my way on the best version towards the best version of myself. Um, super Sherry was like on one of the first days of Courage Club, you asked us to make up I forget what it was called, like alter a recovered identities. Yeah, or you had, like a different like, identity. New identities yeah. for yourself, and that was mm -hmm. mine. I think just because it had two S's in it, and it's still my name on the Courage Club, and I I love it so. <laughs> yeah. Super Sherry. Me too. Make, I feel it makes me feel like I, I need a cape, basically. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I basically, should have done this interview in a cape, but yeah, that would have been so badass. Oh well, lovely listener, your body is a powerful and amazing instrument whose job is to carry you through this world and help you experience life. And so we are here for you. Subscribe and continue to follow this series and come join us on the path to body freedom and learn what it means to fully live in your body, regardless of your shape, your size, or the number on the scale. 
go to recoverywarriors.com slash beyond to request an invite to apply for Beyond Body. This is our six-month body image accelerator program for middle-aged professional women with a history of an eating disorder. So once again, that's recoverywarriors.com slash beyond. We would love to connect with you close and up personal week after week for many months and many moons to do this deeper healing work together. Thank you so much for being a part of this. 